Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Life in Red podcast, lifeinredpodcast.com, at Life in Red Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and Life in Red Pod on Twitter. My guests, yes, plural, guests today. Uh, I'm, I really wanted to do an episode, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but leading into the winter months uh, of this pandemic, uh, I know there's some hope. There's a, the vaccine um, and, and hopefully we're getting back to normal soon, but I knew, and even on my own personal experience that the winter months were going to be a challenge, uh, on everybody's mental health. I mean, most of us have seasonal depression. Um, the sun's down, uh, we're not getting our vitamin D. It's harder to get outside, uh, limited social contact. So I wanted to do something around mental health and, uh, my two guests are both mental health advocates and speakers, uh, and we talk about, you know, some of our struggles, but I also wanted to turn it into a, a positive and, you know, some of the things that work for us. So some of our daily routines, um, you know, exercising, our diets, and we talk about all of that and, and what works for us and a whole bunch more. Um, my one guest uh, actually got me started in this speaking for mental health uh, at the Royal Ottawa uh, Mental Health Centre. Um, she's been on the guest be, or she's been a guest on the podcast before, and I encourage you to go check out that episode where we go much in more in depth in, into her story. And, uh, she brought along one of her new friends, uh, who is, uh, out of Wales in the UK, who is a YouTuber and also a mental health advocate and speaker. So please give it up for my guests, Sabrina LeMay and Sherelle. Take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, here we go. Sherelle, all the way from the UK. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. And of course, uh, my good friend Sabrina, veteran of the podcast, back again for round two. How are you? I'm fabulous. How are you? Good. Uh, I'm so happy uh, both of you could join me. And uh, I know you guys just had a chat not too long ago. So we'll make sure we point uh, people to that as well. But I think now is a great time um, to have you both on and talk about our, you know, our mental health experience with our, with our own stories and struggles. Because something I've been really kind of worried about with this whole pandemic was this winter, this upcoming winter. And I know we have some good news with vaccines and, and you know, some cases going down and but cases going up in other places. So that'd be a good opportunity just to remind people that we are, we're not alone in this and, and we all have different perspectives, even, you know, all the way from England, all the way, you know, down the street in Canada. Um, it's kind of universal feeling. So Sherelle, I'll, I'll start with you. What's a little bit about your, your mental health story? I know you started a YouTube channel, but what, you know, tell us a little bit about your story. Okay, so um, I've had kind of issues with anxiety from a very, very young age, which stem around a kind of a childhood trauma. Um, and it got significantly worse when I gave birth to my first child. So I'm a mum of two. Um, and my first child was born three years ago and it really, really ramped up to um, a very debilitating point. Um, and so although I've always had anxiety, 
what happened once I had the kids was it turned into health anxiety. And I just became so obsessed with worrying about my health to the point where I just couldn't function. Um, I became very, very mentally unwell. You know, I was, so in the UK here, we have something called a crisis team. So um, if you're very, very, very much struggling, they try in the UK not to section people unless it's absolutely necessary. And so we have a crisis team and it's basically 24 seven care of psychiatrists, nurses that will be with you whenever you need them to. Mm. Um, so I was under them for quite a long time and I managed to claw my way out of it, but I got to, you know, a very, very um, dark place with it. Um, you know, slightly trigger warning, but I did become very suicidal and kind of now I'm at the other end of it. That's why I'm kind of doing the YouTube and just to kind of raise awareness for health anxiety, because I feel it's something that isn't really, you know, spoken about a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's something we've all struggled with and share in common, which is unfortunate. Um, I always say, you know, when you're not alone, but not alone in these feelings, it's like, it's good, but it's also really like kind of sad that we, we all have to experience that. Sabrina, I know we did a whole episode uh, uh, on you and it was absolutely fabulous. And I learned so much for people who haven't checked that out. What is, you know, a little bit of your story as well on, on how mental health affects you? Yeah, so I know when we spoke, there was like varying degrees, and I, I always say like my mental health, it changes its face, right? So I've dealt with um, anxiety, eating disorder, puro OCD specifically, which also um, when Sherelle and I were speaking, we, we realized we both have puro OCD, and I hadn't really met anyone who also struggled with puro OCD, um, health anxiety, um, panic disorder, so like varying degrees, right? And it's just being able to keep that positive mindset to get through. Mm -hmm. Pure OCD. That is something I never heard of before. And I know that was a big point of our chat was differentiating, you know, the common OCD, like, oh, turning on, like, you know, the people kind of make fun of it, I guess, or, or use it very lightly. You know, mm -hmm. once we spoke, and then I had another gentleman whose name is Liam, who's from Amsterdam, actually from Ireland, but lives in Amsterdam. And he also suffers from a pure OCD and we had a chat about that. So Sabrina, can you explain a little bit about what pure OCD is and, and a little bit of how it affects you? Yeah. So the way I describe it is pure OCD is intrusive, unwanted thoughts, images, impulses that are outside your character. So the way I always kind of like try and dumb it down a little bit for lack of a better word is it basically takes your worst nightmare and tries to manifest it into reality. So whether that's a play on health anxiety, whether that's like, a, oh my God, I'm going to end my life. I don't want to. What if I do? I spoke about, you know, my fears around um, what if I hurt my husband? I don't want to hurt him, but what if I do? And everything inside of me was telling me that I might do something like that. And the way professionals distinguish the difference between someone who might actually do that um, versus somebody who's struggling with pure OCD is the debilitating anxiety that's connected to it. So it puts you into such a debilitating state where you don't want to leave your house. You don't want to be around anyone. You almost want to be locked away. Um, and, and it's hard to think about anything else. And, and I know that Sherelle also dealt with something like that. Mm -hmm. um, Liam, who I just spoke about, his manifested into, um, you know, what if people thought I was a pedophile? Yeah. Um, so he would walk by schools and, and like, all, like that would be his thought process. And even to come out and say that, uh, he, he talked about it, but how nerve wracking that is because that, mm. you know, by societal terms, that might be the worst thing you could be in, in, in terms of a lot of people. I mean, Sherelle, I'll let you go and do as much detail as you want about it, but how did this 
affect your life? Well, yeah, it's just... It started off when I was younger and um, kind of like what Sabrina said, it was very much kind of, you know, what if I um, hurt my mum, you know, having these awful kind of images of, you know, attacking my mum with a knife and just these such, you know, as Sabrina said, out of character thoughts. And of course, because you're the one who's thinking it, you think, oh my gosh, I must be terrible. You know, I, I need to be locked away. Something's wrong with me. And I was so young that I didn't really understand what it was. And so I remember going to the doctor and breaking down crying and saying, I'm having these really horrible thoughts, but I can't say them out loud. And the doctor was like, just say them. And even just speaking them out loud, you know, as you just spoke about the gentleman you had on, it can be terrifying because you think that people are going to judge you, that people are going to think you're terrible. Um, and it happened after I had uh, my, my first child as well. Um, and we, I wasn't really sure if it was just manifesting as my pure OCD or postnatal depression, but I was so obsessed with my daughter, you know, as most parents are, I was besotted with her that I didn't really want anyone to hold her because I was so worried about something happening. But then I kind of turned it around on myself thinking, well, what if I hurt her? You know, what if I drop her down the stairs? What if I do this and what if I do that? And having these awful images in my head that I was just so, you know, ashamed to, to speak about. But then now, you know, I realize that that's not me. That's not my intentions. And most of us, as Sabrina said, we manifest our worst nightmares, the things that we really despise, um, all of these awful things. And our brain kind of, you know, it's just like brain farts, as I like to say. It's just random thoughts that happen. But sometimes it makes us panic because even thinking those thoughts and saying it out loud makes us think, is this me? But now I'm in a position where I know the thoughts are thoughts. They're not me. They're not reality. Most of them are nonsense. Um, but, you know, there was a time where it took me to some really dark places and I felt like, you know, I'm destined to live this way forever. And, and being like that is terrifying. But I think telling people what's going on in your head, even if it sounds crazy, can be really like just therapeutic, you know? Mm -hmm. One of the, I mean, I, I don't have that disorder, but one thing sometimes I do with my, my anxiety, and it's something I've been working with through therapy is... Um, like I'll, something will happen and then I will create this scenario. So this, this big thing that I had was at work where I thought my boss hated me. And then everything that was starting to happen, like I would ignore all the good things, but like walk by me one day and not say good morning. I'd like, I'd add that to the bucket. I'm like, oh, you see, they, they, did, they just did that. Oh, they didn't put an exclamation mark in the email. I'm in trouble. I'm going to get fired. You know what I mean? So it's funny that, and I don't know if you both experience the same, but even that we are aware of the mental health, we're, I think we're all kind of in the community of advocacy and talking about it. And, you know, we, we meet a bunch of people and we hear stories, but it's sometimes like, even with all that and we know it, we still, I mean, I sometimes get lost in it still. Um, you know, I still get sucked in by my anxiety or I still get sucked in by my depression, even though I know it's the thoughts or it's the feelings. It's like, that's what's so scary about it that you can have all the information and it still wins like Sabrina I don't know do you feel because I know you're very proactive on on how you you know you manage your life and you, and you manage your mental health do you do you experience sort of the same things even with all that work you put in oh my god yes <laughs> and I always say it's like a blessing but a curse because I mean there was a time in my life and I and I speak candidly about this that I was unaware. I was in it and I was so in it that I didn't see what was happening. And, and that 
almost sometimes, I guess, felt easier because you were just going through it. Still scary, still hard, but now being aware of it, I feel like you always, it, it's like a full-time job. You have to catch it. You have to see it. You have to know what to pull out and it's exhausting. And I'm sure you can speak to the exhaustion that comes along with it. And so could Sherelle, even with like the health anxiety and trying to remind yourself, nope, this is just a thought. This is not me. Um, and seeing it, but still being able to fall a victim to the traps of mental health. I mean, it, it is a full-time job. Sherelle, mm-hmm. sort of a similar thing. You, like I know you said you kind of came out of it a little bit on the other side, but does it still creep in for you? Oh gosh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think a lot of people um, with with anxiety, you know, we all want a cure, don't we? We want to just uh, get rid of this feeling. But the, the truth is, and I always hate kind of giving this answer to people, is that I don't think anxiety can be cured. I think that we are, we've evolved and, you know, we are... <laughs> we're designed to uh, feel anxiety and, you know, it, it keeps us safe. Um, however, people with anxiety disorders, it gets to the point where it completely, you know, takes over their life. But for me, I'm at a place now where I can manage my anxiety. I, um, I live with it in, in harmony. Um, don't get me wrong. There are certainly times where it creeps back up. Like for example, my daughter, um, two weeks ago, you know, she was, she was a bit unwell, just standard snotty nose, you know, toddler cold, but you know, I didn't eat, I didn't eat really for like three days. I didn't sleep properly because I was so kind of, I was th- I thought she had meningitis. I mean, it's ridiculous now looking back, but when I was in it, you know, I was taking her temperature and just, I really got sucked back in and, um, and that can happen. And, you know, you, we do have these blips, but the important thing is I was ma- I managed to get myself back out of it and kind of each time, you know, as time goes on, I've learned to learn more about myself, how not to trigger myself, how to deal with a crisis when it comes up, but it does take time to get to that point. And I think, you know, hopefully in years to come, you know, when my daughter has a cold, I won't necessarily freak out straight away, but it's definitely always there in the background. You know, I kind of sometimes feel like it's hanging over my head, waiting to just downpour. But definitely as time goes on, I'm, I'm just learning more about myself, you know? So um, it's just a process that is ongoing, I think. Yeah, I think that's a, one of the biggest messages um, when I speak or when I talk to people is that it's a, like you said, it, like Sabrina, you said, it's a full-time job. You said it's a process. A process. It, it doesn't necessarily, like it, it doesn't stop. It doesn't just go away. You can't just take pills or go to therapy once and, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm all better. Woohoo. Right. And I think that discourages a lot of people and that, you know, prevents them from, from continuing their help or for continuing the, to put in the work. And that's, that's one thing it, 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 you have to put in the work in order to, to at least manage it. Excuse me. Now, I, and I don't know what the situation is in Wales. I know the UK um, from what I followed in the news with with COVID, uh, like London was was pretty hit pretty bad, but I believe they just opened up. Uh, you guys are the first to get the vaccine, which rolls out uh, tomorrow as we record this. For you, uh, and I'll ask you this both, because when this pandemic first hit, I was a mess. Everything went out the window. Everything I built, all the routines, all the like the work I put in over the years of being like, okay, I will go to work. I'll go to the gym. I'll go home and make dinner. You know, like that whole system I built of wellness got thrown out the window as I got stuck indoors. And like for the first month of the pandemic, I was just a complete wreck uh, of anxiety and depression. 
and I think, you know, speaking about your daughter, I, I have young siblings and every time they're sick, I'm like, oh my God, do they have COVID? Oh my, oh my God, like, you know, like I'm not even a parent. When, when this pandemic hit, did you find yourself, Sherelle, being, more, like, did it affect you more? Did the anxiety rise? Did the depression rise as, you know, all these things in the world were happening and everything was so uncertain? Yes, absolutely. So weirdly with me, um, and I've spoken to a lot of people with health anxiety that have said the same thing. I wasn't actually worried about the virus as such. What I was worried about is getting something wrong with me, like a life-threatening illness or having symptoms that needed attention and not being able to get that help because of the pandemic. So that's how it kind of manifested with me was that I was so used to just taking myself to A&E, um, going to my doctors multiple times a week that I kind of, and in a way it's been very beneficial because I've had to stop doing that, you know? Um, but I was like, oh my gosh, you know, what if something happens and then I have to get taken to hospital and what if, you know, they don't have any beds? And, and so it was really, really difficult. And for me, exactly what you said, Ryan, you know, I built up this kind of, I like to call, I call it my toolkit. You know, I, I do my meditation, my daily walk and, and all of this stuff, you know, I'm a very social person. So when we were hit with the pandemic and, you know, we were all kind of stuck inside. Um, it did make my kind of anxiety very much heightened for a long time. And I really struggled because, you know, I wanted to go out and I had just had a baby when we went into lockdown. My son was only six weeks old. So, you know, I had these visions of kind of doing all these lovely things with him as a family and it just didn't happen. So it was very difficult. Um, and it was really, really tough not seeing, especially not seeing my parents because my parents... Um, they're like my safe place. And whenever I'm feeling bad, you know, I go over to my mum and dad's house, they kind of take care of the kids for a little bit and I just kind of chill. So not having that was very, very difficult. And I know, you know, speaking to other people with health anxiety, just how much, well, everyone has suffered through this pandemic, you know, and we're coming up to a year, you know, it's, it's really tough. And I think, uh, you know, the, the long-term kind of mental health problems that this pandemic, it, you know, was going to cause is, is worrying. It's just, you know, we're worried about COVID, but we're also worried about other things as well, you know, in terms of mental health. So it's definitely difficult, but I'm hoping, you know, as you said, you know, we've got the vaccine that's being rolled out tomorrow. I'm just hoping that life will resume soon, you know? Yeah, the, the whole world, we're all kind of like watching, okay, what happens? What happens <laughs> in the UK? Does everything go back to normal soon? Like what, what's the problems? What's the issues? Uh, because Canada, like, we don't even know yet, really. They're like, maybe by Christmas, maybe January. Um, Sabrina, I'm, I'm curious about you. And what's the most interesting thing is we've kept in constant contact since March. We've worked together with TEDx. Um, and, you know, we've, we've been in constant contact. But, you know, my bad. I never really checked in about, you know, how you're doing and, and how everything kind of affected your life. Yeah, so like Sherelle said, I mean, I was surprised because... I panic about so many things. And when it came to actually contracting COVID, it was like not a worry for me. In fact, I didn't even think it was really affecting me. I'm not like, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna start working from home. Um, I, I'm gonna work out at home again. Cause when I went through my seizure uh, two years ago, I had to work out from home. So for me, it was not like a huge shift. However, in the midst of it all, I did not realize it was, I guess, 
on a different level affecting me because all of a sudden a lot of and, and I haven't even spoken about this publicly yet so it'll be the first time here um, a lot of my eating issues started coming back so mm -hmm. I started getting very ritualistic with some of the eating behaviors I had in the past things I had overcome um, I ended up going back into therapy a little bit because I was like oh my god this cannot be coming back I thought that I was past this and to see that kind of come back again really showed me that there was an underlining stressor taking place within my life um, that, that was bringing that to the surface. So it was really starting to manage that again. So in retrospect, I mean, yes, there was a lot of different things. And then my husband was laid off. So um, I guess it wasn't COVID direct, but it was everything surrounding it that um, ended up showing up in other areas of my life. Yeah, well, that, I mean, I found myself also like re kind of resulting back into old habits as well. Um, like you said, how that start to come back. Um, like I've been really good with my, my socialness and, and my, I'm an, an extrovert by nature, but then I get anxiety around it. So it's really weird, but um, that, yeah, like my depression, like really came back and like my motivation, that, that, that's the biggest thing. I'm always quite motivated. So if I need to work out, even if I don't want to, I can force myself to things like that. But once, you know, you're stuck in home and not seeing anybody, I, I went six weeks without seeing my family. And like you, Sherelle, my, my family is everything. Um, like mm -hmm. I go to them for, for everything and, and not seeing them, like it's a complete deterioration. A little bit away from the doom and gloom, but, you know, let's take something actionable about this. We've talked about our struggles a little bit, what we've been through. Um, how do you work to come out of it? And Sabrina, we'll start with you because I've always admired how proactive and, and how much, you know, kind of positivity and, and hard work you put into to doing this and, and sharing it with everybody. How do you work on and kind of overcome these things like anxiety? What are some of your go-tos, like Sherelle said, which I loved, like your toolkit or your toolbox? So I have so many, right, over the years that I've created. I think like the number one thing is to be honest, right, to call yourself out on it. So like to say, okay, hey, these eating issues are coming back up. Because then once I can determine what it is, then I could take those actions. So example, I decided, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call my therapist. I'm going to start talking about this. Um, it was going for more walks because I was working out inside. And I remembered when I had gone through my seizures and I was feeling very um, anxious because a lot of that anxiety was coming up, I would go for a walk early in the morning before the day has even really begun to just connect to nature and to be with something larger than myself. So going for those walks, incorporating the meditation practice back in because despite COVID work seemed to get even busier for me with supporting the businesses and stuff. So. I was taking time to meditate, looking at my nutrition. I um, started talking to my nutritionist again. What can I eat? You know, certain things we eat actually affect our mitochondria, our gut health. So looking at that as well, supplementation, adaptogenics to support the anxiety that I was feeling. So basically just digging in and, and keeping up with the gratitude journal, the fitness. It was the first time in my life where I just didn't want to work out. And I'm like mm -hmm. a go-getter. Like I don't, I've been born with meditation, um, not meditation, sorry, uh, born with motivation. And I think that that's something I'm really blessed with. But I felt like I was just so in a rut where I was kind of feeling sorry for myself again. So when I started going back to these things and using those tools, I was able to pull myself through it. Mm -hmm. Cheryl, what are, what are some of the things that, that work for you? 
Yeah, so people ask me this a lot and I always say, you know, it's a very, you've got to make your own personalized kind of toolkit because, you know, what helps me might not help somebody else. Like I know for me, for example, crocheting baby blankets is very therapeutic, but that doesn't mean mm. to say that it's going to be the case for everyone. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think there are a couple of things that are kind of universally um, you know, scientifically proven to, you know, kind of help anxiety, you know, one being exercise, you know, we know that exercise is, is good for us and good for our mental health. And for me, um, I, I hate the gym. I hate exercise in general. I just don't enjoy it. But um, I have been for the last week just going on walks, you know, as Sabrina said, getting up in the morning, which is typically when a lot of people's anxiety is kind of heightened. And before the day is even started, you know, go out, connect with nature, um, have a nice walk. And even just the fresh air is very, very nice. And I think especially during the pandemic when, you know, a lot of us are in, you know, in quite a lot. Um, and I know it's getting cold now, it's getting very cold here in the UK, but I'm just wrapping up and getting out. Um, gratitude, you know, is something that I incorporate into my day as well. Um, before I do anything, every morning before I brush my teeth, anything at all, I sit there and I say out loud 10 things that I'm really grateful for. And I make those things mm. different every single day. And I think um, the reason why I do that was A, is because gratitude has been proven to lower anxiety and stress, um, you know, when you do it on a long-term basis. And, you know, you, I think Sabrina might have told me this, it might have been, but you can't feel anxiety and gratitude at the same time time mm. so I mean there's something in it so those two definitely again what Sabrina said gut health um, I'm kind of big into gut health at the moment um, in terms of um, there's certain foods that I know that trigger me I know that sugar makes me feel very anxious I know that dairy makes me feel quite sluggish um, supplements um, you know and there's other things as well you know like I, I know that you know uh, connecting with friends and family makes me feel better. So I've got to a point now where I've kind of treated the last year as a bit of an experiment. Like what triggers me? What makes me feel worse? Let's do less of that or eliminate them. What makes me feel good and what makes me happy? And let's do more of that. And that's essentially how I've created my own little toolkit of things that I know are really beneficial to my mental health. Mm. I love that you both meant to mention kind of like experimenting a little bit with what, with what works. And, and it's funny cause that's exactly what I've done as well. Um, some things, I mean, exercise, I think we're all in agreement like that, that, and I'm like you, Shrell, like I'm not, I mean, I was an athlete in high school and like, I, I don't, I enjoy it now, but like, I don't necessarily like the thought of going to the gym and, and working <laughs> out and I get self-conscious and, and it, it's never been like, but you just know it needs to get done. And now I've found some enjoyment in it. Um, getting out in nature, that's something I, I really started doing in the summer. I bought a bike. Um, Ottawa, where we're from, has a beautiful bike pass along the river and it connects you to almost everywhere. And, and, and it's just, it was, a, it was great going for walks. Um, but two things that really helped me, and I don't know if any of you have tried it, is uh, I started taking CBD oil. Um, and I've been preaching this on my social media, but like from my anxiety, that stuff has helped me so much. Um, like it's unbelievable uh, how, how much it's helped me. And I also started taking these, um, these mushroom supplements and, uh, you know, with uh, uh, lion's mane and reishi and quadriceps and, and all these different types of things. But I've actually, I mean, whether they're placebo effect, I don't know. Um, but it's, I really find an increase in my energy and especially my creativity. Um, like I just feel like I can come up with better ideas at work or, or things like that. So 
those things, I don't know if any of you have tried that, but I'm also very interested in, in gut health and, and researching all those things and finding out what, what works and what doesn't work and yeah, kind of doing these experiments on myself and hoping for the best. What, uh, you both men- mentioned supplementation, and I think that's a, um, a lot of people get confused around that because um, you, know, you see like a health and wellness influencer being like, take oil of oregano and then you don't need to get vaccinated. And you're like, oh my gosh, what are you saying? Um, <laughs> I know, uh, Sabrina, you connected me with Natalie, uh, who's a, I'm actually going to be uh, chatting with her tomorrow as we record this. So that's going to be great. But Sabrina, I'll start with you. What supplements do you take that you find actually really kind of help with, with your mental health and energy and, and all those different things? So A, what's really amazing is uh, the reason I connected you to Natalie is I'm doing some schooling at night for holistic nutrition. So I'm only learning more about the gut health. Um, So adaptogenics have been huge in my life. So whether that be L-theanine, which is an amino acid that regulates and calms the body, ashwagandha, GABA, these are all huge. GABA specifically, we have that neurotransmitter in our brain. Sometimes we just don't have enough of it. So it's a natural supplement. Um, I take a lot of B vitamins, B12 specifically for women really helps with stress and anxiety. Um, I know magnesium. So there's a lot of different supplements I take. Glutamine for the gut health to just align um, my gut for my digestion because I do struggle with IBS and stuff like that. And then just circling back to what you said about CBD, I do take CBD oil at night Mm. and it's been like incredible for my sleep because um, Sherelle mentioned a lot of people get anxiety during the day. I feel like I'm so busy during the day, or, or sorry, the morning. I'm so busy that once I rest my head at night, that's when it kicks in. Mm. So incorporating that gratitude journal and the CBD at the end of the night have been instrumental for me. Interesting. Do you uh, do any vitamin D or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Vitamin okay. D always. I double up in the wintertime, actually. Yeah. Okay. Sherelle, what what's, things have sort of worked for you? Yeah, so um, vitamin D, obviously, and again, I've doubled up now, you know, just because of this uh, pandemic that we're in and everything. Um, I take B12, um, magnesium. Magnesium was brilliant for me because I was getting a lot of neurological symptoms in terms of um, muscle twitches and tingling, and the magnesium really calmed um, my nerves down in terms of that, so that was great. Um, I also take zinc. Um, What else do I take? I do take quite a handful. I take, um, oh, I'm, I'm I'm glad Sabrina said this because I think I've always said it wrong. Ash, Ash, what, Ash, what, what is this, Sabrina? <laughs> Ashwagandha. <laughs> I've been saying it wrong the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I take that, um, and that that's been really good. Um, it did give me a couple of side effects at first, which kind of put me off. But I've I've kind of now worked through it, and I find that really great. Um, I also take omega-3 because omega-3 can be great for like neural recovery. Mm. Um, so yeah, those are the, the general ones that I take. I have been interested in, um, taking CBD. Um, I just haven't really looked into it too much. And another thing that I'm quite interested in, but again, a little bit uh, worried about is I want a microdose with psilocybin. Um, but I just don't know. There's a, there's a strong history in my family of like severe mental illness. And I'm always a bit like, Oh, what if it triggers something? But I've heard brilliant results from it. So, I mean, I definitely want to research into that because, you know, people have, uh, there's some clinical, you know, trials to, to show that it's kind of eliminated 
created um, a lot of like really intense anxiety in people. So yeah, I'm, I'm currently studying more about these kind of things and what can help. But um, I mean, Sabrina has some brilliant ideas. I'm definitely going to slide in your DMs later and, and then get some more tips because yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I take the generic ones, but I want to, I want to figure out, you know, what's best for me. So yeah, yeah no, and- Terrell, I, I've heard a lot about the psilocybin as well and, and the, re- the rewiring of the brain. Mm. Something I do want to mention, Ryan, because I think it's incredibly important if, if somebody's listening, adaptogenics are great, but if you are on an antidepressant of any sort, you should not be taking an adaptogenic because it could actually make you much worse and you could have severe side effects. Mm. So people need to be aware of that. And often if you just see, um, you know, a nutritionist who, who recommends it, they may not mention that part. And, you know, you seeing a nutritionist should always mention what you're already currently taking in terms of supplementation as well, because these all do have chemical effects in the body. Right. That's good to know. Cause, uh, me, I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll look into it, but I, I am on antidepressants. So maybe not such a good idea. Um, funny enough, you, you brought up, uh, I'm super interested in the psychedelic, uh, and psilocybin. And I had a researcher actually on, I can plug my podcast again. Um, her name is Haley Duran and she's, uh, currently studying her PhD in that in uh, the university of Alabama. So got to learn about, you know, how, how all that works and, and what the research is. And I know, I don't know, is it, is that legal in the UK? No, no, yeah, it's, it's not. And, and obviously, um, you know, CBD isn't either, but. Um, oh, oh, come on, Boris, let's go. Let's figure this out. <laughs> That's interesting. I, so psilocybin isn't legal in Canada either, except they have granted cases for people who are, um, in hospice so when they're dying they, they they've been granted exceptions but i like watching the states you know like oregon just passed it colorado um a bunch of states are getting involved here and, it, and it's kind of okay when is this going to start funneling up to canada didn't even know that uh, uh, cannabis and and all that was wasn't legal in the uk yet yeah it's crazy isn't it i mean i'm hoping that one day we we will get to the point where you know i just think it's a very taboo topic over here, you know, and mm. um, a lot of people do smoke it, but it's kind of like, you know, uh, you can't really smoke it in public because the police are gonna, you know, if they're around, they're gonna, you're gonna get in trouble for it. So, you know, I mean, I'm hopeful that one day, you know, researchers and scientists will really kind of notice the, the benefits that people are getting from this. You know, there's been a couple of cases of, um, you know, mothers that have gone on the news here in the UK, uh, if their child kind of has like terminal cancer or something seriously wrong with them and they've you know imported um uh, these drugs you know from from another place and then they get prosecuted and it's it's crazy mm-hmm. because it's helping the child and the child is getting better um and it's it's a very tough thing for doctors because the doctors can see that this child is getting well but it's also illegal and it's just i think it's absolutely crazy but i you know i'm hopeful that one day um they will consider it you know and like you said even if it's just in, even if it's just kind of administered in hospital at least i think that would be a good um a good stepping stone well yeah the the world is changing especially around cannabis which is great i mean the us just passed a bill that it's not supposed to go past the senate because they're all republican and and hate good things but um, they passed the bill to federalize the decriminalization of cannabis, and um, but apparently the Senate won't hear it. So unfortunately, but we're seeing steps around the world of the benefits, and especially CBD. The, there's no psychoactive effects. Like 
you barely know you take it. And, and then all of a sudden you're just kind of like one day sitting there. And I, I remember getting ready for a, a podcast with a quite a big name. And usually I would just be sweating, nervous, but I was like, Oh no, I'm like, I'm pretty good. Like a little bit of nerves there. So you don't feel completely numb, but like from where I could be to where I was, I was like, Oh, I think this is working now. This is interesting. Um, I want to circle back. What did you call that uh, substance there? Um, a, a Aguanda? <laughs> <laughs> well, Sherelle, do you want to try and say it? Right. I've always called it Ashwanda, which is clearly wrong. So Ash, wait, let me try and think it in my head. Ashwahanda? Ashwagandha. Ashwagandha. That's halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is it? Because to me, it sounds like a seaweed or something. You know, I, I would be lying if I said I knew exactly what it is. Um, I just know that it's a herbal supplement. Learning more about that right now in school. But um, it definitely, when I, like I said, when I was going through my seizures, that's when I really started the um, CBD and ashwagandha. And I swear it was a huge, huge life changer for me. I'm totally Googling it right now to see what it is. <laughs> it's an ancient medicinal herb with multiple health benefits. See, I was, I was right. It was a herb. It's a herb. It's an Indian ginseng. You'll have to ginseng. ask Natalie about that. You'll have to ask Natalie about that. I will, yeah. Tomorrow. I'm always, like, as much as, I'm not against the antidepressants at all. Like, they work, and if you need to take them, you know, you need to take them, and that's fine. But there is something about wanting to find more natural ways, I think, to than pumping your body full of, for, of chemicals, right? Like I think as you grow older, you just become conscious of it. And I, I don't know about you guys, but again, not against it. I'm, not, I, I'm in favor of vaccines. I'm in favor of you know, chemo, all these things that do to make us feel better and, and treat disease and illnesses and viruses. But there is sort of part of me that's like, I don't want to necessarily be on all these chemical drugs just to feel better. I want a more natural, sustainable way that, you know, might not have as many side effects or, or make me feel in certain ways. Anyone so, you know, like I, I've said it on, on the podcast before, um, for me, I, I don't take medication, but I do believe that there's a place for it in the world. And if you need it, then that's totally fine. But I, I personally prefer the, holistic alternative to things, but there are many people who've tried that and it still doesn't work for them. So I think that it does have to be taken on an individual basis, person by person. We are all biochemically individual. Um, and something else I would suggest you look up, Ryan, is GABA because we naturally have that in our brains already and it just adds more, so. Interesting. Sherelle, kind of the same thing or? Yeah, I am very much split down the middle. I'm a bit like you, I think, Ryan. I, 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 I'm very pro-vaccine. Um, I'm not so sure, this is, I'm not going to go into it, but I'm not so sure on the COVID vaccine, but I'm very much pro-vaccine when it comes to any other vaccines. Um, I think that medication and medicine is brilliant. And of course, you know, it saves lives. Um, however, I am of the belief that, you know, what medication does is that it treats the symptoms. And there's not many doctors that really try and get to the root cause of why a condition have happened. And, you know, if we want a, a cure for something I, like even IBS, for example, like, you know, Sabrina said, you know, she suffers from it. I suffer from it. You know, you can go to the doctor and they'll give you laxatives or they'll give you, you know, whatever. 
just pain medication, but you're not, they're not telling you to kind of, you know, um, play around with diet, look into gut health and things that can really kind of get to the root cause of why these happen. So I'm very much split down the middle. I would never say no to medicine if I needed it. I am, as I'm getting older, kind of realizing that, you know, I do think there should be more, um, you know, uh, just research into more holistic uh, and functional kind of doctors. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of like in the middle. I wouldn't say I'm more for one than the other. I just think both work together great. And it, it, you know, it, it depends on what your condition is, how severe it is, of course. It's just a very kind of personalized thing. But yeah, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm for both. Yeah, no, it, I had um, an ND, uh, a neuro... Uh, what's the word? Uh, naturopath, a naturopathic doctor on. Uh, it was a while ago, but one of her, her best things, because, you know, people who don't necessarily look into wellness or they, they, it's very stigmatized in a lot of ways. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, very hippie, very, you know, tree hugger, all that different stuff. But she just put it in a great way. She's like, she's like I want to work with your doctor. What does your doctor have you on? we can try these things and, and like we're all working together as a team to, to, to get you working in a, in a proper function. It doesn't have to be either or it can be, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And we're working for the best, you know, kind of chemistry to get you better. But I, I think it, and we've talked about diet. I mean, that's like the most kind of like natural way of taking care of your body in a way. And it's something we never discuss. I know it's a big frustration for a lot of people uh, throughout this pandemic on, on how we've all been told to isolate, which again, I totally understand, but there's never been a, an emphasis from anybody on boosting your immune system, on, on exercising, on making sure you're healthy in order to, you know, if you do get sick, try to give your, your body the best chance to, to fight it. And I think that's a big takeaway I'm taking from this whole pandemic is it doesn't even have to be this virus, but just flus and colds and, and all these different things. Like what can I do to just give my body the best chance to try to, you know, be, be healthy and fight off these different things. I'm, I am curious. I, and I know it's all individual based, but what are some things that you incorporate in your diet? Because and I'm really looking forward to speaking with Natalie because there's nothing that confuses me more than the diet and nutrition, because as much as people say it's science, there's like so much, you know, bias and subjectivity to it all. Like I was listening to one podcast where he was talking about, you don't even need to eat vegetables. You can eat all meat and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh my God. And then there's the vegan podcast where it's like meat's all bad and it's giving you can't. I'm like, I don't, I don't know anymore. What am I supposed to do? So, I mean, what works for you? And sure, I'll start with you. What are some things that you notice a, a big difference, whether you started taking them and you notice, or if you don't, you know, have a salad that day, you'll notice a difference. What are some things in your diet that really kind of work? Yeah, so like you, I've been so confused and was so confused. And I was like, because I was vegan for two years and, um, you know, because I thought it was the best diet, you know, I, I really believe, no, this is, the, this is the best diet. And I just got severely deficient in everything. And I really tried, you know, I did everything you know, I was like a hardcore vegan, you know, I was one of those like, you know, uh, reposting the slaughterhouse videos. I was one of those. Oh. Um, <laughs> but it just didn't work for me. And I had to come to the point where I felt like, right, this, my body is not um, agreeing with this. And, you know, it really does come down to what our ancestors ate. It comes down to our genetics. So people who are really pushy with diets need to understand that, okay, great. It might work for you, but it doesn't mean it's going to work for me. So, um, and again, you know, some people go on a carnivore diet and they've, 
cured autoimmune diseases and stuff mm-hmm. um there's this girl called Michaela Peterson mm-hmm. and she yes yeah, she's great so she really advocates the lion diet um and you know people have, have gotten really well from from you know her diet but for me um eliminating just general inflammatory foods so gluten we know that even if you don't have celiac disease most of us are um slightly intolerant to gluten you know so gluten uh, i removed um dairy and um and also um, refined sugar. Now, dairy is a difficult one because dairy, we know, does cause inflammation. But then, for example, things like kefir and, um, you know, yogurt is really beneficial for us because I'm always torn between like, do I want to have the dairy or do I want to, because, you know, the probiotics and stuff. So, but I generally try and stay away from dairy. Um, sugar is one of my biggest triggers for anxiety and kind of physical symptoms. Um, I incorporate a lot of... Um, I try and have a lot of live foods. I grow my own um, broccoli mm. sprouts for, for sulforaphane. Mm. Um, I I don't really eat meat, but I do eat um, like wild salmon and stuff. But again, I'm still, you know, in this place where one day I'll read something and I'll think one thing the next day. And I'm just like, I wish, why can we not agree on what the best diet is? I just want somebody to say to me, this is what you need to eat. This is what's going to keep you healthy. This is going to boost your immune system. But we just, we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up broccoli sprouts because that's something I heard. And then this, this whole other podcast went and was like, no, that's really bad for you. Uh, it does that it maybe gives you this, but it gives you all sorts of bad things. And then, so do you know who Dr. Rhonda Patrick is? I'm obsessed with her. Obsessed. Yeah. Okay. So I'm watching her battle that carnivore guy who said it's bad. They're both on their Instagram stories, like not directly talking to each other, but they're like, they're blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and like, I'm just kind of like watching it like passively being like, Ooh, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> um, Sabrina, are, are there, are there things? Cause I know you, and you're doing the nutrition. So you, you know, you have a pretty good insight into this. What are some, foods that really work for you or might not work? Honestly, Sherelle just basically uh, described my diet. (laughs) Um, But I do eat a lot of um, fermented foods as well, like sauerkraut, kimchi, um, things like that. But also just going back to it, if diets actually worked, the diet industry would be out of business, right? You wouldn't be hearing about, um, you, you know, carnivore diets, vegan diets. Um, I know a lot of people doing paleo, um, the keto diet. Mm -hmm. Again, everybody, I had to learn this the hard way. I was vegan for over 10 years. And again, I became deficient. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't good vegans out there who are fully healthy and, and have no deficiencies at all everybody's body is so individual. It doesn't matter. You have to look at everything, body, mind, spirit, everything that's going on in your life. Because also the other thing I've learned with myself is just because I can have broccoli today doesn't mean I can have it tomorrow. Because if I'm having like an IBS flare up or I'm stressed, I'm not going to digest the same way that I normally do. Mm. If I am in a, in a panicked state or stressed about a deadline or whatever, if I'm not eating consciously and aware and sitting down in a calm state, I'm not even going to digest it. And the thing about stress as well is that we are severely deficient when it comes to being stressed and we don't even realize it because you're not absorbing half the food because when you're stressed, your body is going through a different state than when you're not. So you're not absorbing Mm. all of it. And what I'm learning in school, and I can, I'm just like learning so much that I can go on and on and on, is that food is not made the same way it was before. So there's a lot of people who say like, 
why are you taking supplements? You know, you can get it all from your nutrition. But that's not true because even our soils aren't what they used to be. And the chemicals that are being sprayed or the food that what, what I learned in school that I found was phenomenal um, because a lot of people talk about eating with the seasons. So I've been starting to try and play with that a little bit. So like not necessarily eating fruit during the winter months because a lot of the times if you buy fresh strawberries from the grocery store what happens is they're put in a truck and as they're making their way to us they're sprayed with a chemical that makes them ripen faster and then they're put on the shelves that if you absolutely have to eat fruit in the winter time depending where you live of course you're best to go with the frozen fruit you know because those are actually picked fresh and then fast frozen i uh, fast froze i don't know if i said that right but just so much right i just again everybody's individual it's a day-to-day -day basis for me how do I feel? What's going on in my life? And that kind of helps me determine what to eat at that day. Mm, it's also fascinating. I, I had someone who is like a farm educator, like agriculture ed, um, educator. And we were talking about that because, you know, the, the way we use pesticides and, and how many things we put on, on the foods to, you know, keep, the, keep them from being eaten. Like you said, the stuff they spray on in the trucks, the stuff that goes into the floor, like, it always makes me so funny. Like it makes me laugh in a way because like you see it right now, everyone's very like against, not everybody's against, that's the wrong term, but you know, people are, are very skeptical of this COVID vaccine. We don't know what's in it. Anti-vaxxers are always like all these things that are, are in vaccines, but yet our food, mm -hmm. I mean, you don't know half the stuff that's in our food. I remember, and I was, I always try to find this quote. I can't remember where I heard it, but it was like something ridiculous where be, there's so much corn byproduct that's put into our food as filler and and you know to make us feel fuller make it look good that humans are actually like a certain percentage of corn now I mean, it, could, it, it could have been false i don't know i feel like it was real i wish i could refine it but i just remember hearing that i was like i mean it makes sense like as much like corn isn't everything and then they they hide it by just giving it different names but if you look at like the back it'll be like like something monodextrin corn and something diodextrin corn and you're just like oh my god like it, it it goes to say like we don't even know what's in our food and and how much is related how much of the societal you know things that we're going through whether it's the mental health crisis or or you know other things that are going is related to the things that are are in our food and the stuff that we are putting in our bodies which we we don't even necessarily really understand but yet most people, I mean, there are people raising the flags, but most people just go about their day angry about wearing a mask or something. And you're like, but there's this right here. No one's yeah. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, again, it's not funny, but in a way, just kind of like, it, it's silly in, in some cases. Well, there's so much going on in the world. You know, I find that people kind of get stuck on certain things, right? And, and things like food the awareness isn't fully there. People don't talk about it all the time. Um, trans fat was actually banned in Canada in like 2018. And then they just started naming it a different thing or like removing a couple things in order for it to pass the test. And like, again, I, I don't preach it too much either because it's individual, right? Mm -hmm. Like some people don't want to know. Some people are like, I just want to enjoy my food. <laughs> and like, good for you then. That's great. Mm -hmm. But when it starts to affect, I think your mental health or your physical well-being, that's when it really becomes something we need to, to be focused and, and pay real attention to. Yeah. Like, I mean, how long was 
fats labeled as like bad for your heart or or something like that then all of a sudden there's been this resurgence where it's like the trans fats are bad but there's actually a lot of like healthy fats that you need in your diet to to be healthy and everyone's like oh darn darn but apparently that was like i mean not to get into conspiracies but that was like a whole thing with uh um the sugar industry or the bread industry or something like that that they they lobbied the government so i'm like oh god (laughs) um sherelle i did have a question for you but uh, did you have anything to add to the the food stuff because i don't know what things are like in England and and how everything kind of gets deciphered food-wise there, if there's a better education process or not. Yeah, so I think the food here is, I mean, like, for example, our breakfast cereals are nothing like yours. We don't have any, like, artificial colouring or, like, we don't have all the crazy, yeah, like, lucky charms that you guys have. It's all very plain looking. So I think we are slightly more health-conscious here a little bit. Um, but again, I agree. I just think it's all so confusing. Um, and, and like what Sabrina was saying as well is that, you know, things being covered in pesticides and it's just very much like, it's difficult to know what to do for the best. I try and remove pesticides for my fruit, especially when I give them to my kids. And there's like different ways that you can do that. Um, you can use like vinegar, you can use like, um, baking soda and all these kind of things um but yeah it is like you know we don't know what we're putting in our bodies half the time even if we are vegan and you know we think we're having the best diet and wherever you know where we get our food from um it's just tricky it's just i we can't we can't fully get rid of chemicals you know they're kind of everywhere you know they're in the air that we breathe Mm -hmm. the food that we eat so i mean it's it's really tricky and especially when you have some kind of issue maybe it's ibs or an autoimmune disease and you want to get healthy you know it's it's a real battle because you've got to fight against these things that you know we have no control over like the chemicals they put in our food and stuff so yeah i mean i think uh we are slightly a little bit more health conscious but i think you know we're generally pretty similar as well Mm -hmm. i think the that the biggest example of that is like the beyond meat craze where everyone was like oh my god beyond meat it's healthy but it's like no it's all chemicals and vegetable oils like it's it's not good (laughs) it's probably worse actually um i I know everyone needs to get going got to get back to work and everything but i did want to ask because i'm always so curious when talking to people around the world you know sabrina and i are familiar with the absolutely terribly complicated system of mental health that we have in Canada that is almost impossible to navigate and find help you need. You did mention it a little bit with that crisis team, which I think is like, like, why do we not have that here? Can we, can we do that? Can you, I mean, it's a big question, but like, just kind of like Cole's notes, can you explain a little bit about how the mental health system works in, in the UK? Yeah, so I mean, so if you go to your doctor, if you're struggling, um, obviously, you know, doctors either will try and prescribe you an antidepressant, you know, I know we've touched on that, but um, generally what they do in the UK is they refer you for a six-week course of cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, And so we have something called primary mental health and secondary mental health. So primary mental health deals with anxiety, um, addiction, um, you know, OCD, and then secondary deals with psychosis, schizophrenia, bipolar, and those kind of things. So you get referred kind of down one path. And I actually, my anxiety got so extreme once they they actually put me as secondary. And once you get down to um, secondary mental health, that's when you get 
access to the crisis team. So anyone can access the crisis team. If you go to your doctor and you tell them that you're um, planning, you know, you're suicidal or that you're very, very mentally unwell, um, the crisis team will essentially take you under their wing. Um, it comes into practice immediately um, and they are basically there they, they normally give you like 10 days and they get you out of a crisis so what they do is they will um, drop you medication all hours in the day you can ring them at four o'clock in the morning a psychiatrist will come to your house and talk to you so it's really really a great service that we have here in the UK you know if you're suffering and it is generally to um, to try and stop people from having to be sectioned and um, there's a big push here in the UK that you know, sectioning, although it can be brilliant to get people well, it can also cause a lot of long term kind of anxiety and depression when people do get out. So we try here in the UK to keep you at home um, with an intense support system. So and I mean, there is a lot of advocacy here as well. Um, you know, the NHS do um, really push on, on mental health, like in workplaces, most workplaces in the UK have a counsellor on site so that work, um, you know, staff members can go and see them. So I think we're doing good. I do think that, you know, as always, there needs to be more, especially with, um, you know, like more kind of obscure, I suppose, um, conditions like health anxiety that are just not fully um, recognised yet, I don't feel. But I do feel that, you know, I think that the UK does a pretty good job, but I mean, there's always room for improvement, of course. Yeah, just curious, do you like? Do you have to pay out of pocket for that crisis team or for therapy? No, no it's all, it's all, it's all free. Mm. It's all, um, you know, there are obviously private um, therapies here as well, of course. You know, because sometimes like the waiting list for like CBT is sometimes like a couple of months, but the crisis team um, will see you like immediately. So it depends on like your circumstances, but no, it's all free, which is, you know, great. Interesting. Yeah. I, that's the biggest barrier for Canada. Um, so yeah, I know you guys got to go. So um, thank you so much. Uh, I think this was a very great conversation that, you know, no, no big, really fancy terms other than that one plant that I still can't pronounce. Um, <laughs> but uh I know you, Sherelle, you have a YouTube channel. Um, yeah. Where can people find you on social media and, and watch your videos? Yeah, so I'm on YouTube um, at Sherelle Thinks, um, and I basically talk about all things health anxiety, and I'm also on Instagram, same name, Sherelle Thinks. And yeah, you know, I, I just basically talk about my experiences and kind of how I've got over them and, you know, how I've... I talk about my dark times as well. So yeah, I'm quite open and transparent and honest with what I say. Mm, and Sabrina, I know you'll always have lots of projects going on, COVID or not. Uh, where can people find you and, and learn some more stuff? Yeah, my Instagram, um, mindbodysoul.work. Easy peasy. Um, so again, thank you so much. I think a lot of people will get a lot of good things out of this conversation and just it's put in a human way, right? Um, and hopefully can try out some of these things or look into it and research. And, and that's really what I wanted for people, especially going into the winter time. So thank you both so much. It was so lovely to meet you, Sherelle, and uh, uh, all the best going forward for sure. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having us, Ryan. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.